0: Imagine not knowing what your income would be each week. Financial planning would be a nightmare. Almost 90% of Vision's income is free will donations. When supporters commit to monthly giving, it provides greater certainty when budgeting for regular expenses and weighing up new opportunities that arise. Knowing we can rely on regular gifts each month takes some of the guesswork out of operating a faith ministry monthly givers who share our mission are called visionary extra mile partners and right now you're invited to join this growing group of faithful supporters the amount of your tax-deductible monthly gift is completely up to you what is most important is knowing that you are standing with us to reach australia for the gospel click the banner at vision.org.au or in the vision app to find out more about becoming a visionary extra mile partner It only takes a few minutes, but will have an eternal impact. Vision.
1: 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, some attention today on what's happening in rural Australia. And let's zero in on an issue that has come to light just over the last day or two with the watermelon industry in North Queensland. Shane Knuth is the MP, he's the member for Dalrymple in Queensland, part of the Catter Party and one of those who could potentially hold the balance of power in Queensland. Shane Knuth joining us now. Hello Shane, welcome along to 2020. It's a pleasure. Jane, let's talk about this story that's broken in the last day or two. And this is quite serious. Or how serious is it, this whole issue with watermelons? Because this disease called the cucumber green mottle mosaic virus. It's it's an interesting uh, title for a disease. How serious is it for the watermelon industry in your electorate?
2: Look, it is a serious issue, and there is concerns um out there at this present moment because it it also the disease um, affects cucumbers, it also um, affects um, pumpkins, likewise melons, and uh, that industry. You know, is very strong on the coast, of course, but it stretches from um, Charters Towers right through to the Atherton Tablelands, and uh, there's a lot of concerned people at this present moment. I know uh, biosecurity is working um, with the the farmers at this present moment, and I know that um, they've indicated that um, you know other properties uh, that they feel that could be you know affected or feel. you know, know, concerned about their their place being locked up. There's no concern about that at this present moment. They can get about business, but uh, I do know the biosecurity um, Queensland is at this present moment trying to eradicate um, the disease and um, contain it.
1: Now, in your neck of the woods, uh, most listeners, no matter where they might be listening right around Australia, are aware of the way that Bob Catter goes into bat for people who are in rural settings, uh, farmers. Uh, As I understand it, a biosecurity unit was closed down in Townsville in North Queensland under the uh, former uh, Liberal National Government under Campbell Newman. What are your concerns about the fact that there isn't a biosecurity unit that's in Townsville?
2: Look, basically, it was a bad decision. We had opposed this from the beginning. Uh, the LNP government had, had many numbers in the House, so whatever they were going to do, they were going to get through. But you've got to remember, too, that the agriculture industry, it's a $14 billion industry, and uh, it was that industry that helped lead us through the global economic crisis. And uh, as a result of that, um, you know, the repercussions wasn't as bad. But uh, biosecurity is a very important issue. The Productivity Commission, about 10 years ago estimated that if there was a foot-and-mouth outbreak in Queensland, it would cost the beef industry $3 billion if they contained it straight away. Likewise, um, if it spread further, it could cost that beef industry up to $14 billion. So um, as a result, we've seen cicatoga, we've seen a lot of diseases and exotic diseases, and we've seen quite a few coming from the Northern Territory, likewise an element through the Cape York Peninsula, And um, so biosecurity is something that we need um, men, people, women, you name it, on the ground, ready to be on call, available um, and having that surveillance straight away. So we're basically um, calling for that uh, biosecurity unit to reopen and uh, it to be staffed and uh, those resources utilised to do what they know best and that is ensuring that there is no incursion um, and uh, likewise to help stamp out exotic diseases.
1: I guess when governments close down a unit like that, it's a cost-cutting exercise because in the ideal world, you'd have units that were constantly monitoring all sorts of biosecurity risks Uh, is it, and I can hear what you're saying too, that the uh, industries are so valuable they need to have all of the workings that are going to bring those things to uh, fruitful prosperity Uh, there is a challenge here for biosecurity issues right around the nation, is this just one off or or have governments everywhere cut down on the way they're looking after uh, rural industry
2: you know, the thing about it is governments, many times, they've got a lot of money out there to spend, you know, for election campaigns. You know, uh, likewise, when it comes to vote buying, they seem to have money uh, there available to buy votes when it comes to an election. But when it comes to issues that it's vitally important to the survival of industries and uh, the farmers out there, they fear uh, the fact of these exotic d- diseases and outbreaks, and likewise, you know, in regards to um, the Panama um, with the bananas, the, the sad part about it is once that um, disease um, hits one particular area their property is um, devalued and uh, to the point that um, they might have to try and go into something else but it's going to cost them millions of dollars and this is a big concern so yes it is just a, a huge issue and uh, you know, for governments to continue to, to cut the funding in that area regards to biosecurity what it is is saying to your $14 billion industry that provides jobs and keeps rural and regional Queensland alive and job into the cities, um, we don't value you.
1: The cucumber green mottled mosaic virus, uh, the watermelon industry. Who would know that this is a hundred million dollar industry for the Queensland economy? Uh, I guess there'd be concerns that even even us talking about. A virus that might attack uh, watermelons or even uh, any other of these uh, fruits and vegetables, cucumbers, zucchinis, pumpkins and squash, uh, yep. that there may be some sort of a, a, a hit to trade in those uh, items. Uh, are you concerned about that or should we all well, be going out and buying a watermelon?
2: Uh, look, there, there, there is no issue in regards to buying of the watermelon. What it does is that um, this type of disease, it, um, it actually... Um, brings the fruit capacity uh, to the point where it's um, not worthless to um, sell. So in the end, it's um, the the owners of the property, but it's also the, the flow-on effects that does happen to the, the owners. You've got, you know, I believe there's probably about 15 employees on that property, and then you've got the trucks that go and pick up that goods. Then it's the market that you have, and it's the flow-on effects. Everyone benefits. So if we lose that, we've lose, we lose all those jobs. And uh, likewise, Then it is the not so the industry is not confident, and a lot of money is then invested into um, spending on biosecurity and how to combat this. But that's why it's so important to have that um, you know those biosecurity officers there available in the unit, they're available. So they're examining, they're studying, they're going on the properties. They are basically um, you know getting. you know, research into it to see if there's a disease. And so they're on the ground, so they're covering that field so they can get on top of it before, that, well, before something happens or it it's, gets worse and worse.
1: Shane Knuth, our guest, is the member for Dalrymple there in North Queensland and one of the two cata Party MPs who potentially could hold the balance of power in the Queensland Parliament. Shane, we'll talk to you some more a little bit about that in just a few moments. Also want to tackle some issues as to drought-hit communities in your electorate and throughout uh, western areas of Queensland and other areas of the nation as well. Stay with us. We'll come back and talk some more in just a short while. Spending a little time talking about rural communities and our guest is... State MP in Queensland, Shane Knuth. He's the member for Dalrymple in North Queensland. We've been talking through uh, the issue of something that could potentially evolve into a watermelon crisis, the cucumber green model mosaic virus in the watermelon farm in Charters Towers, potential to spread to other fruits and vegetables, but uh, we've talked about that in our last segment. Shane, let me just touch on something political uh, with you for a few moments. Uh, Cook MP, Billy Good- Gordon in North Queensland. Those allegations of domestic violence, of course, uh, it stood down from the Labor Party uh, and uh, technically he is the one, I guess, who holds the balance of power in Queensland at this moment but uh, you and uh, of course uh, Robbie Catter, the two Catter Party MPs, potentially you would hold the balance of power if there was something that happened in Queensland uh, that brought about a circumstance where there was a by-election. Uh, is there uh, something you can let us know about? How you've Think things are going? Is there a report card you can give very briefly about what's happening in Queensland politics?
2: Well one of the things um, that I see and I, it was a lesson that we can learn as a result of when the Bligh government uh, was reduced from almost 60 seats down to uh, seven seats and the people of Queensland spoken very very strongly that if you're not going to govern for the people will boot you out likewise um when the newman government got into power they sort of accelerate accelerated um um, you could probably say um, a, a touch of arrogance to where they weren't coming for the people it was all about the their own political interests and um, when it came to also asset sales as well people um vehemently told the politicians they don't want our profitable assets sold to the bligh uh, the newman government went ahead and, and pursued it very very strongly and likewise they booted the um the newman government out so what the people of Queensland were saying is that hey, if you're not there to govern for the interest of the people, you know, we're going to boot you out. And so it's a good message. So everything's wound up. It has slowed down to the point that um, policies has now been, you know, uh, more appropriately uh, assessed. We've got the committee um, um, system in place where in the um, last term, you basically had it stacked by one particular party. So uh, everything was rushed through the committee system and uh likewise a lot of um our policies and uh bills that were put through were actually you know um they suspended standing orders and just rushed through smashed it through without um you know input from um the the uh, people and uh, proper um evaluation assessment so a good thing has happened everything has slowed down and uh now you know um we got the labor party that has governed with um you could probably say just um, a, a very slim majority, and uh, the two KAP members we have been you know working obviously with the government, communicating with the government on different policies and uh, things that we feel that's important for rural and regional Queensland but also for Queensland, but at the same time that uh, you know we've also um, stayed very closely with the the LMP and likewise Peter Wellington, and we have been communicating with um, Billy Gordon over important issues that we feel that need to be addressed.
1: And I'm sure it's uh, a time in politics uh, that you'll always remember where everyone was being nice to you. So uh, (laughs) something I guess you can probably uh, say is a good thing at this time. Let's move on to another issue, and that is, of course, uh, drought conditions in your own electorate and in neighbouring electorates to you. There are places, and while we've been seeing floods in New South Wales, uh, there in Western Queensland, places where it just doesn't rain.
2: Yeah, well, well, look, it's a very, um, there's a lot of hardship at this present moment, and myself, Robbie Catter, and Bob Catter, we went to Wind, uh, Witten there last year. It was called, um, you know, it was an action meeting, uh, with the support of Alan Jones. We were basically, um, trying to, um, get an, uh, an awareness out there in, in naming and shaming banks that um, if you resume your property um, and basically they were foreclosing on properties that um, just could not you know, um, make ends meet. Their cattle were dying, the sheep was dying and it wasn't a good time to um, foreclose and we were more or less saying if you um, foreclose on those properties we will name and shame you and uh, many of the banks sort of slowed down on that fast tracking of... Um, um, foreclosing on those properties but what we're seeing is the flow on effects right through rural and regional Queensland. You can say that um, even the city areas are now suffering, suffering as a result of it but we've seen um, you know lower numbers in the, the, the private schools likewise we've seen many shops you know um, shop fronts close and uh, we're looking at probably up to 20%, 25%. We don't have the, um, the figures and the figures might sort of be distorted but uh, basically in these rural Regional areas are um, really, really battling, and uh, sometimes even going in the Charters Towers, you you see that um, you know what, where it, everything with a lot of activity, and you know there's a lot of movement, and uh, you know like it's really slowing down, and we have a big concern, you know, for towns like Charters Towers and all the other rural towns, western towns, and I, I know even Hillendon, you know, has um, you know got about seven, eight shops that have closed in the last three months. And that, you know, that's jobs, that is not confidence. And basically we've seen people leave those rural and regional areas and try to find other um, places to to live within the cities. And uh, this is having a big effect.
1: As a politician, as a local member, you visit some of these communities. I guess just being there is an encouragement. Do you find that there is, uh, you know, levels of uh, depression, of anxiety, concerns from people in these towns? As you say, some of them are and, up and leaving. Uh, they just can't stay around any longer. Is it an encouragement that they know that someone cares, at least that, you know, so there's an MP who's who's decided to come to town. And you might not have all the answers, but at least uh, you're le- there to listen.
2: Yeah, that's right. And one of the things, it's it's important to be available. It's important to be compatible with your electorate and you're there to support them, you know, in regards to issues that um, concern them. And we've been very, very strong in regards to the rural communities and whether it's, you know, a close of the railway stru- station. Yeah, we, 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 we lost our railway station in Charters Towers, 37 jobs with families, and uh, that was a big hit. And, uh, you know, we were... Not laying idle, we weren't sitting quiet. We were taking this on very, very passionately. And uh, in that um, negotiations in the um, the hung parliament process, when we were talking to both uh, major parties, we wanted to ensure that those rail jobs were protected. We wanted to ensure that our ergon depots were were protected, because we lose those railway jobs, you lose those ergon jobs, you lose those people, those families, and you lose you know the the flow effects that you know they support the local businesses, the local schools. And um, it's just a domino factor. And so when we're seeing the grazing industry and um, the farming industry suffering too, you know, it it really makes a lot of impact. So it's so important that the people know that um, you're on top of the issue, you know the issue, but you're there fighting for their cause. And when you do, likewise, we had a win um, in regards to some of those banks that were foreclosed and they had, uh, it was one of the banks that actually made an announcement there will be no foreclosing within the next 12 months uh, while they're going through this drought. So that was a, a good win. But but that's what, you know, um, MPs and they're you know, people don't like um, MPs that just um, um, are there to rubber stamp a political party um, or the party that they're in. You know, they want there to be able to fight for their cause, champion their their cause, and and that's what we're hoping and doing our best to do.
1: Shane, just before I let you go, uh, you are well known as a Christian in the Queensland Parliament. You're a part of the Christian Parliamentary Group. Uh, Is there a strong Christian presence in the Queensland Parliament?
2: Well, I was elected in 2004, and we had um, six members of Parliament that did uh, attend the Parliamentary Christian Fellowship Group. And uh, what that is is a group that they do get together every either Tuesday morning or or Wednesday morning and um, have breakfast. And uh, they invite, um, you know, um, uh, a minister along. And basically, that minister is there to sort of, um, you know, um, encourage and administer to those MPs. In 2014, we actually had 14 um, members of parliament. And uh, I had um, invited one particular. Um, minister along and he was quite amazed he said he's surprised how many new faces there was and uh now that uh you know um we're in the um, the year 2015 uh we haven't tested it as yet because the, the last parliamentary sitting was the opening so it'll be interesting to see how many um um members of parliament attend that christian you know parliamentary fellowship group there so um Time will tell, but it's definitely been very, very helpful for those MPs that um, were involved with this.
1: Shane Knuth the member for Dalrymple in North Queensland one of the two counter party MPs that potentially could hold the balance of power in the Queensland Parliament depending on how things uh, pan out as the months go by but uh, Shane Knuth good getting an update on the watermelons on the drought and your own perspectives on what's happening in Queensland politics thanks so much for being with us today on 2020 you're welcome